Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Like some food for thought? Tune in to Radical Philosophy with discussions on freedom, happiness, knowledge, evil and rational argument. With words from Midgley, Caputi, Adams, Stewart, Wolf, and Hagen Gruber. Let's get radical about philosophy. I'm so glad you tuned in to Radical Philosophy. I'm your host, Beth Matthews. Today on the program, I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Paula Boddington about artificial intelligence. Welcome to the program. Oh, thank you so much. It's really great to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. And uh, could you give us a little bit of background information about yourself? Okay, so, well, I my background, actually, so I studied philosophy and psychology in my first degree at Keele University, which is a little tiny university in the centre of, center of England. It only had about two and a half thousand students at the time. And it was a kind of university that was really ideal for me because you had to mix arts and sciences and do a foundation year where you literally had lectures from every subject in the university. And so, so that, that kind of really suited me because I'd got a science background at school, but always felt that that was too narrow because the British education system gets very narrow in the last two years of school. And I was really fascinated by philosophy and I ended up going into philosophy, but I had a background in, in, in quite a lot of, quite a lot of science things. From Kiel, I went to Oxford and did a couple of postgraduate degrees. And then I've, I've had what I laughingly call my career. Um, <laughs> it's been, I started off, I was, I've, I've taught, I've lectured at, different places, at Bristol, first of all, and I've actually spent eight years in Australia. I was at the Australian National University, and then I took a career break because I had a couple of kids, and so so, my, so we're all, my kids are Australian, they were born in Canberra. So it's kind of also kind of nice to be sort of back in Australia, virtually, on the radio. Uh, and then from, from there, when I sort of went back to work, I think what a lot of women find, you just end up, because you're limited by where you can go because of the kids being in school, it ended up, in a way, being really great for me because it meant I had a series of a series of different jobs where I kind of thought I needed to work and I thought oh I could do that I could do that I could do that <laughs> so I'd, I'd 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 done some background working in artificial intelligence I'd done some uh, work working in a center that looked at ethical and social aspects of genetics and from there worked with ethical issues in relation to genomics and a lot of that apart from the fact it's looking at ethics in general a lot of the work in genomics is about things like data and consent and technology and so on. And then I was doing some, I did lots of, I did lots of scraps of college teaching when I was at Oxford. And I just happened to be teaching at the right place at the right time. So we're having a major, a major kind of concern about AI at the moment. And the last time there was a really major concern was about 2015. Well, I don't know, listeners might remember, uh, people like Stephen Hawking came out and were worried that artificial intelligence might becomes so intelligent it kind of takes over mankind and so on at which point various people so for example elon musk donated i think 10 million dollars to a center in america called the future of life institute which was giving out funding for people looking at ethical issues of ai and this is, i i i just happened to be working at a college where the philosophy professor at hartford college was peter millican 
who's got a strong interest in computer science as well as philosophy, and then the head of the computer science department at the time at Oxford, Michael Wold- Mike Waldridge, who's a real expert in AI. And we we got together and put in an application, and that was that was to work on a project looking at how you might develop codes of ethics for AI. So that's that, that's a bit of background. If you want to, that gives you enough of a, an idea of who I am. All right, well, you've partly sort of answered my next question was, what was it that inspired you to study AI? Well, yes, I'm glad you asked that because I, so in a sense, what inspired me to study it was just, was, was kind of the, the luck of being in that place and at that time and also having looked at lots of questions generally in applied ethics. But having actually started working on it, I, uh, I really come to the conclusion it's the most, really by far the most interesting area of ethics that I've worked on in all my career. Not to, not to downplay the others, but it encompasses so much. It encompasses in a, in a sense, because artificial intelligence can be applied to any area. It's sort of like doing the ethics of everything in terms of, of applying it. But because it asks, we need to ask questions about what it means to be a human being, because it's, because it's extending our powers and our capacities in a way that is, we've always done that through technology, but it's expending, ex- extending our powers and capacities in ways that are, are in some ways exaggerated, in other ways unprecedented. So it forces us to ask really fundamental questions about ethics. Um, it's, 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 it's limitlessly fascinating. So that, that has really inspired me to carry on working in the field. So when, when I first started, yeah, so when I first started working on this project, looking at codes of ethics, to be perfectly honest, I did kind of half think to myself, well, codes of, codes of ethics are sort of important, but it's a little bit, a little bit boring, <laughs> a little bit boring just looking at codes. And then I realized, no, to understand the codes, you've got to understand all sorts of background stuff behind it. And you've also got to think about how they might be applied and how they might make a difference. So it's, it's, it's actually, I, I was just wrong. I just think it's much more fascinating than I thought it was going to be. It sounds like there's a bit of overlap as well, because you mentioned before about you were studying the ethics of um, genetics, and um, there would be a, an overlap that would come into AI with that, because um, just sort of having a guess that people would want uh, children with higher IQs, so that's sort of you know, roughly sort of fitting that mould? Oh, yeah, but actually, that's a really, really, that's a really interesting point, actually. There are loads of points of overlap. Um, you remember when, you know, what, there was a huge, well, huge excitement, a huge excitement when the human genome was sort of finally sequenced around about the turn of a century. And lots of, lots of talk about how now we've cracked the code of human beings, as if, for one thing, we can really understand what we're like, and also we can use this, we can use this, in lots of ways, no, to help, to help with diseases, but also the, the, the question about whether or not we can enhance people in those ways, which is about designer babies. Yes, yeah, that's right. Um, and, 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 and in relation to artificial intelligence, we, you get the same kind of, the same kind of general thought happening, that the technology is telling us something about us ourselves. So with the, with the DNA, with, with the genetics and genomics technology, it wasn't simply 
the talk about it wasn't simply about the technology. It's about the power that that might unleash to discover more about ourselves. So one of the things, of course, actually, when we're looking at artificial intelligence, the ethical questions that come out are partly about what you can actually do now, presently, how we're going to use it, because we can obviously use it to great advantage in lots of fields. But what might be the downsides are also questions about how it might develop into the future. But there are also questions that we need to look at about the general ways in which it makes us think about the ideology behind it. In the same sort of way as like the assumption that when people started talking about how DNA has opened the book of life, um, in a similar kind of way, there's an ideology behind AI that's driving a, a lot of the thought behind it that we need to, if you like, if you like a sort of an ideology that it's really important that we do things really efficiently, that speed is really important, that intelligence thought of in certain particular ways, like solving particular problems as fast and efficiently as possible, is, is a model of intelligence. And that's going to be, you know, that, that then can be projected back and used as a model for human beings. Um, of course, there are people pushing back about that. But yes, but you're right. There are there are so many different overlaps in the field. So it was it has actually been really useful, as I was saying before, about how um, a sort of smorgasbord of a career that I had when I was trying to get scraps of work as a, as a mother looking after two, two kids um, has, has turned out to be rather useful. Yeah, definitely. Well, it, well, it's right. That, that brings me to my next question, uh, which is, would you have a definition of artificial intelligence? And I suppose within that question, um, also, would you have a, have a uh, definition of intelligence? Because there are so many different ways to measure intelligence and even IQ tests have, have brought a bit of controversy around, haven't they, about, uh, about you know giving giving someone an IQ test. I mean, if they're if they're sort of from a different cultural background, or there's other factors involved with with that, isn't there? Yeah, yes, but, but it's a really really big really really big question. So one of the things that we need to think about when we're looking at artificial intelligence is what exactly we mean by intelligence. What's what what kind of intelligence does the artificial intelligence have? And also how we value it and what other forms of intelligence there are. So, so like, so IQ tests, actually, that's quite a good example because it's built into IQ tests, but the faster you answer it, the higher your IQ. And you can, you can understand the point of that because IQ tests are linked to, you know, linked to testing people for certain jobs and for industrial capacity and so on historically. And obviously in many situations, being able to think things through quickly is very valuable. But it might rule out people who take longer to come to an answer because they're thinking of lots of different possible solutions first. So if so, that it's it might link out that stop out that kind of creativity. And in terms of how we understand intelligence in artificial intelligence, I sometimes think actually it would be better if we called it artificial cleverness rather than artificial intelligence. And and many of the people working in the field actually kind of rather rue the way in which it's been called artificial intelligence precisely for those reasons, because a lot of people working in the field, I think, are terribly sensible and just keep pointing out it's useful for certain specific tasks. But the definition, the definition of, in, of intelligence that tends to be used by people working in AI is, if you like, an instrumental definition. 
So if you if if you look at AI textbooks, they'll tend to use a definition such as intelligence would be a way of efficiently achieving your goals. So so what that leaves out then is the goals themselves aren't part of intelligence. So that efficiently working out efficiently working out I can see you've got a dog, efficiently working out a way to um uh, I don't know, I can't even think of an example. Efficiently working out a, a way to um uh Sorry, I'll just start that example again, actually. I can't think of a good example. But, like, efficient, yes, efficiently working out a way to eliminate all dogs on the planet or something would be an example of intelligence. But I presume you're, you're sitting there, if you don't mind telling viewers, you're sitting there cuddling your poodle. But you wouldn't want that, would you? But they could be really intelligent. You feel in a way, oh, if somebody really hates poodles and if I could find a way of eliminating all poodles while keeping all other dogs alive would be intelligent by that, that goal. So, yeah. So in, it, so in terms of defining how you define artificial intelligence, um, it is a really important question because when we look at the field and when we look at ethics, people are using it in, diff- in different ways. So sometimes it's used to mean artificial general intelligence so that sometime something we haven't yet, definitely I think haven't yet got, uh, uh, be, able to, be able to create a machine which can totally mimic human intelligence, so do everything that we can do in terms of intelligence. Sometimes it's simply used to mean any kind of technology which can um, mimic or achieve human thought and decision-making for certain tasks. Um, I mean, sometimes people are working in the field now just would refer more specifically to the technology they were using. So they might just talk about machine learning rather than, say, artificial intelligence with the purpose of trying to sort of get rid of the idea that this is some sort of general intelligence. So whatever we use, it is quite important to, to, to see how people are using it. When I, when I write about the ethics, I tend to use it in quite a broad way because a lot of the ethical problems we're looking at still arise for all sorts of bits of technology that wouldn't really get counted as artificial intelligence of any really sophisticated account. Because one of the other things that happens is that people think, oh, once a machine can do this, that will be artificial intelligence, and they crack it. And we get used to it and they say, that's not artificial intelligence. That's just so and so, so and so. So, but a lot, a lot of the debates, for example, in, in ethics are about, say, the use of, the use of complex algorithms in, in computing. Um, but so that's just simply, just, you know, just basically, if you like, that's just simply incredibly complicated computer programs. So whether or not you call that intelligence or not is, is, a, is a moot point. I suppose human intelligence is connected to emotions and I suppose emotions, feelings, preferences uh, is something that I, I don't know if you could um, simulate that artificially. Well, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a really important, that's a really important big question because the development of artificial intelligence is closely goes hand in hand with developments in cognitive science. And there are many many people working in that field who 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 would agree who would agree who would agree that um, that part of intelligence is actually our embodiment that our embodiment within the world is necessary for us to be able to you know to relate relate and to understand to understand and to be able to navigate the world um, and an, an essential part of our, an essential part of our in, of our intelligence, the intelligence that we have. So it may be possible that machines could have some really useful type of intelligence without actually 
capturing fully human intelligence. So, so for example, I mean, the, 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 the machine, the computing power that's used to predict the weather, humans couldn't possibly do that because it's just too, take too long. You, you, by the time you'd predicted the weather for tomorrow, it would be like AD 4500 because it would just take too long. Is this just like lots of complicated calculations? But of course, predicting the weather is, it can be incredibly useful for us. It can, it can help people to avoid floods. It can help, it can help farmers to work out when to plant their crops. It can be incredibly useful for human development, but but it, our intelligence, I think, is 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 far beyond that. And in fact, actually, we can just maybe go back to dogs, because because you, you probably most people who own pets like dogs and cats, or even rats. We used to have pet rats. Rats are incredibly intelligent. They don't have language. They usually can't do anything more than very very basic maths, <laughs> but they have a form of intelligence. I'm convinced. Oh, they, they do. I've had many, many pet rats and yeah, they're, they're very, very intelligent and I'd, I'd equate their intelligence to dogs. I call them pocket dogs. Yes, yes. <laughs> they recognize, they recognize individuals. I'm convinced of it. Mm. Yeah, they, they do. No, they make wonderful pets actually. They're very, um, yeah, they're, they're not as highly regarded as they, as they should be as pets. And I think it's all that stigma, you know, with the, the black plague and everything and them spreading disease, but they're, they're very different, you know, the, um, the pet rats we have now. But, um, yeah, we touched on this before, but what are some of the ethical questions surrounding artificial intelligence? Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> how long is a piece of string? There are so many in a, in a sense, in a sense, they're endless because of the fact that it can be applied to any different kind of field so that it can be applied in medicine or in education and so on. So you'll get particular questions that arise within those specific fields. Um, and uh, But in general, the questions will come around the ways in which we've always used technology to extend our agency and our powers, you know, just back from even using like flints and stones in hunting however many, you know, millions of years ago it was and fire. Um, but what artificial intelligence does as well is extend our capacities for thought and decision making so that all the ethical problems then arise from that because of course that can be incredibly useful but it can sometimes go wrong so that a lot of the ethical issues arise it can be explained in terms of a sorcerer's apprentice problem but the idea that you've 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 asked a really complex machine to do something but maybe you've programmed it in a way that it does it in in ways that you hadn't actually expected or that the powers are too much. Like if you ask, um, if, if, if you, if you wish, like King Canute, for everything you touch to turn to gold, you might find that you, your daughter is also turned to gold. It's that, it's that kind of problem of extending our powers too much. And so, but that general, that general question of how far should human powers go? Um, and there are, then also there are, there are detailed questions about how exactly, for example, how exactly the algorithms work. So I think a lot of, a lot of your listeners will probably, um, already have come across uh, much discussed questions about how algorithms can be biased, maybe against certain against certain groups, so inadvertently biased, often because they're working on data that was collected and is also biased, or there might be some way in which the algorithm is working that will be biased in certain ways. So those kinds of more detailed questions. And then there are also questions about how artificial intelligence might develop in the future. So again, it linked to its capacity to extend powers of agency and thought and decision making, I think we can subsume 
a lot of big questions in ethics under the question of control. About is it going to have too, what sort of control is it going to have? And is it going to have too much control? But that question also is often posed in terms of the artificial intelligence having control. But just as importantly, maybe more importantly, we ought to think about the people who have the artificial intelligence and the control that they have over us. So that the control, the control that the, what's actually happened is that there's a few massive tech corporations who are developing most of the AI who have an incredible amount of power and control over how that AI is developed. So it's those, it's those questions of, of control and power that we really need to look at. And of course, then that verges into political questions. We can't just, we can't just put the ethical questions into a little box. It's not about individual behavior. It's, it's political. And then we also need to think about, I mentioned before about how important it is to think about the general background ideology, the ideology of behind, or oh, we must get this AI out. We must do it. We must adopt this technology. Um, that, that in itself is, 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 is an ethical question. So again, some listeners might, might, might be aware that the European Union has, has, is, is just looking at, has been for the last two or three years looking at developing an AI act, which is actually I've lost track. I think it might have passed by now, but it's in, it's in the stages of getting through looking at AI, trying to have some ethical approach to AI. But if you look at the preamble to the act, the preamble states that we need to develop public trust in AI. So we need to look at the ethical issues. We need to develop public trust in AI in order for, to get them to adopt technology so that we can use, you know, so that we can, you know, pr- pr- proliferate and u- increase the uptake of technology. So it's that general idea that the more technology, the better. But against this, we also have to think about not just the ideology behind it, we often think about AI sort of in the abstract, as if it's just something floating in the air or some, you know, that computer on 2001 just booming out at us. But it actually is contained in hardware and it's produced by people. So a lot of the big ethical issues in AI are about where our hardware comes from. And they are about the digging up the rare earth metals to make the batteries for it all. They are about the people in, in places like China are often working in really poor conditions to produce the technology that um, people in the developed world are sort of being encouraged to use or mandated. You have, I mean, you basically cannot, perfectly impossible to live a life without computers and smartphones and so on. So and another aspect of the ethical questions is about who's actually making the AI. So again, big ethical questions arise from the mass of people around the world, often working in really poor conditions, doing things like content moderation for the, for the technology that's being produced. Um, working in really poor conditions often. There's, there's been quite a lot of stuff um, in the papers, m- more awareness of that coming out. But that's something that's been a bit slow to come out as we think about AI in a very glamorous, futuristic way. And as we think about it as sort of like the high stretches of intelligence, a lot of it, it all, a lot of it, most of it, most of the advance, a lot of the advances in AI in recent years have been advances in the amount of data that's being collected. So it's been collected from someone and it's being collected by people. So often that data collection is often incredibly poor. The data is often very inaccurate. Often lots of bits are missing, but, but often as well, it's being collected or moderated by people working in really poor conditions. Is it like, is it we're farming intelligence from people around the world? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question about AI and control, isn't it? 
yes. you know, what what is the purpose of AI and why is it actually being advanced so much and the control it will ultimately have over people? Yes, it's. I mean, these questions are so complex because I I always firmly believe that we really need to look at detail of what's actually happening. But at the same time, we've got to actually gain a sort of general, a general picture of, of what's going on. Because the more we hand over control to machines, the more we might lose it ourselves. If the, you could say, a lot of it is actually really incredibly useful. A lot of it can be really useful. So for example, even, even, um, pr- providing smartphones to people in remote rural areas in, in less developed parts of the world can be really important because they can, they can have Information about the microclimates, information about when's the best time to take your crops to market. Those sorts of things are incredibly useful. So I don't at all want to be uh, against AI in, ge- in general. And um, they can help in a diagnosis of, of diseases and, 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 and all, and all sorts of, all sorts of things. But at the same time, we have to think about the whole infrastructure of the control that we're creating. So we need to look at, we need to look at AI as an infrastructure and where we're placed within that i mean i was walking home i was walking home from a train station yesterday and i noticed on a bus stop somebody had had scribbled keep cash and it said it said card payments equal no electricity equals no money <laughs> so so when you sort of think these people who were against who were against like digital currency are just conspiracy cranks they've, they've got a point because if we get rid of it i sometimes say to so and i live in london so many places now will only take only take cards and I sometimes say oh when there's a power cut you might stop taking cash so it's just something as simple as that is is is, is an illustration of how we can get caught up in a in the infrastructure oh exactly no I'm I'm all for cash and I went out went out the other night to see a play and I went over and ordered a drink and um, I, I got a bottle of beer and she'd actually opened the bottle of beer and I handed her cash, and she said, "Oh, we don't accept cash." And I said, "Well, enjoy your drink." <laughs> <laughs> I thought, "Well, I'm I'm not paying with a card, you know. If you don't accept cash, I, I, you know, you'll have to sort out the problem of what to do with all the drinks you open, you know. So, I mean, you can. I, I suppose occasionally I get caught, and I think, yeah, okay, you know, occasionally I do have to use a card, but I do my best." to avoid it and also I've noticed that I have to carry around a pocket full of change because a lot of people just say oh, I don't have any change so I have to actually make sure I have the correct money. Yes. So this is actually really quite a good example of the complexity of questions about AI ethics because you could somebody could easily say that's not really artificial intelligence and in a, in a sense it's now in a sense the operation is now so so simple in technological terms it's so easy to do you say oh this is not really AI but it's all part of this big infrastructure that's being built and the other thing is it's a way of collecting data so it's collecting data about you all the time so they know they know exactly where you've been and also exactly where you've bought what what you've bought and when exactly when you bought it so there'd be you know so we can see the problems that are happening with people in china with social credit scores you might not even have been allowed to buy that beer because they might have said well listen you had two beers yesterday (laughs) Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, it definitely is a privacy issue. And that's, that's why apart from, uh, giving extra money to the banks because, uh, they, they have a charge every time you use your, your credit card. 
And yeah, so I, I do my best to rebel against it. But, um, and I've been speaking with Dr. Paula Bottington about artificial intelligence. Well, that's all we have time for today. I've certainly enjoyed your company and do tune in next time. 